Uh, g'day. Uh, that was Paul Kelly. The song title was You Can't Take It With You. And uh, it's a topic that speaks volumes to our passage today. But before we come to Luke chapter 12, let me pray. Loving Father, we pray that as we open up your word together, we would read your word, that we would understand it, that by your spirit you would apply it to our hearts and our minds and our actions, that we might live lives that glorify you, lives uh, that sing the praises of your goodness to us in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Big crowds are discouraged at the moment, uh, but it's not what we have in our passage here. Can you imagine, at the beginning of Luke chapter 12, in Luke's Gospel, we find Jesus surrounded by many, many thousands of people, and he warns them. He talks tough against the leaven of the Pharisees. Then Jesus continues with a second warning regarding whom to fear. See, get a load of verse 4, chapter 12. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. That's the Pharisees, I think. But verse 5, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Wow. Gentle Jesus, make him mild. Or verse 8. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. That's, that's nice. I like that. But verse 9, whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. Yikes. And then what follows is our, our passage in verses 13 onwards. So verse 13, someone in the crowd says to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? See, can you see this? Here is Jesus trying to teach the crowds and his disciples about the danger of the Pharisees, the reality of hell and the reality of judgment, the importance of publicly acknowledging the Son of Man, Jesus, before others. And then this guy comes along and interjects, if you like, and... You wonder, has he been paying attention? Has he been following the flow of what Jesus has been talking about? Has he not listened? Is he paying attention? Hasn't he understood what he's just heard from Jesus? Or does he not want to understand? Does he not get that Jesus' mission is about the most important issue in the entire universe, the issue of salvation? Of people. But of course, what does Jesus do? You want to talk about important matters of life? Let me tell you a story. And what follows is the parable that Kel uh, just read out for us. Notice the bloke in the parable. Did you notice as Kel read it that he's not a grateful person? The land he's got, his land produces plenty, and of course it's all on account of God's grace. In fact, in this first sentence, the land is the subject, not the man. See verse 16, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. But there's 
No evidence that the man acknowledges the creator who provides the nutrients in the ground or the rain from the sky and the sun that allow the land to produce the way it does. No evidence. So there's a problem. Here's another problem. The man is also very self-centred. More than 10 times he refers to himself. I, 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 or me, 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 or my, my, my. And his selfishness is seen in the idea of storing all my grain and all my goods. My, my, my. Now, there's no prospect of sharing here. He's not even selling. He's not even trading. He's just hoarding it. Notice the next thing, that the man is ignorant. He thinks he rules his life. He says to himself, he's stored enough to live for many years, yet he does not have the guarantee that this is even going to happen. And so his worldview reflects his narcissism. Verse 19, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. That's the dream. All he can think of is indulging himself in life's pleasures. And if that's not enough, it's, there's more. This guy is a fool. He's an out and out fool. Why? He's a fool because he's living like either he doesn't believe in God or worse, He's living like God doesn't exist. And when you live like God doesn't exist, Psalm 14 is very plain, then then you're a fool. He is oblivious to the sovereignty and rule of God over his life. And what does God say to him? Verse 20. You're a fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Yeah, this, is, this parable is very short and it's very simple. And hopefully the sermon will be. <laughs> but it's also rich and profound. See, all since Adam... We are self-centred, earthbound, here and now kind of people. We are this guy that interrupts because we're not listening. We are caught up with the worries of this life, the here and now. But we are also this rich man, ungrateful, selfish, I know best, I'm the king of me, fool that he is, fool that I am. It's a picture of us. But Jesus, he came to save what was lost. He came to save and redeem that which is lost, to restore a God-centred, God-glorifying and joy-filled life. He came so that we could have those things. And so embracing this is to be our priority. God has been and continues to be enormously rich towards us. Despite drought and disease and pain, our God has still provided for our needs. But more, he's provided for our ultimate need, the need of grace, 
that comes to us as a gift. The need of forgiveness, the offer of forgiveness, the standing of a right relationship, peace with God, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the hope of eternal life, the community of the church. And it's all secured by the cross of Jesus Christ. It's all guaranteed by the resurrection of Jesus. We see on the cross how rich God has been towards us as he gives his son. We see on the cross how much God values each and every single one of us. We see that one's life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions. It's the great Aussie dream to buy your own home. Or maybe it's to buy your first farm. I hear that sometimes. And our life becomes geared to making ends meet, paying the mortgage, paying the debt. And maybe it's not bigger barns we build, but we're always building something, aren't we? There's always something to do, another project, another extension, a kitchen upgrade, and we add and we add because there's, there's always something to do. And one day we'll arrive, one day we'll be content, surely. Maybe, will we? Is that day retirement? And the retirees are going, no. But as you think about retirement, Again, the system is geared this way. The entire system we live in, not only do we work for our debt, we work for super, superannuation, so that you can be content in your retirement, so that you can turn 65 and grab the golden nest egg of retirement. The entire system that we live in is geared so that you can be fat, and comfortable so that you can take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. That's the great Australian dream. And we live in this dream all the time. And what does God call such people? It's like this parable is written for us. And what is, how does God describe us? But Jesus says you're a fool if you think like that. Why? Well, firstly, because your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. It's not who you are. It's not what you're made for. Accumulating stuff is not what life is about. We are not to derive our self-value, our sense of worth from stuff, from our possessions. No, we are his children. We're so valuable to him, we've been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. Do we get that? We've been bought at a great cost. We've been redeemed by Christ and that is what we are and that is whose we are. So as we reflect on this parable of the rich man, here is an invitation actually to look at the cross and to see your worth there, your value there. And see that you are loved. Your value, your life does not consist in the abundance of the things of this world, your stuff. Your life belongs to God. It's all his. 
We remember the words of 1 Corinthians 6, that you are not your own, you were bought at a price. So honour God. The rich man, (laughs) he thinks my life belongs to me. I'm going to be rich, take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. But the judgment of God says otherwise. God says you're a fool if you think that. You are not the master of your own destiny. You don't exist for the single purpose of storing up riches for yourself. No, the encouragement is to be rich towards God. To love God more than you love your stuff. To love God more than you love your possessions. See, Jesus hasn't come to arbitrate over deceased estates or family disputes about who gets what or to settle fights over earthly treasure. Jesus wants us to get with the program. This this isn't it. He wants us to seek his kingdom, verse 31. Kingdom people who think these barns are actually God's barns. They're his Barns. My land is his land. My house is God's house. My car is God's car. It's all his. And kingdom people actually get that. And so because it's all God's, with my treasure, I'll then honour my king with all that is actually his anyway. And if I'm doing that, that will mean I'm hospitable I'll be sharing with those who are in need. And I'll be using my staff to love my neighbour, to build relationships for God's kingdom and to serve my brothers and sisters. I'll be using my resources to be a blessing to others as God has first blessed me. That's my treasure. What about my time? My time is his too. How do I know that? Because... God says, I'm the judge. You can be gone like that. The ER nurse on TV said, my entire floor is filled with patients who thought it would never happen to them. (laughs) When she said that, that was a shock to me. Of course she's right. No one ever thinks it's going to happen to them. But what does God say in this passage? He says to the rich man, you're a fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. And if that is true, then every breath I have then is God's. It's a gift from God. And so my my life is his and my treasure is his and my time here on earth is God's. It belongs to him. And if that is true, then I'm going to go out and honour God with my time. Even on the weekends. The weekends? Aren't the weekends for taking life easy, for eating, drinking and be merry? Oh, but God created the weekend. And so the weekend is his. The weekend is actually not for self-indulgence. Newsflash, everybody. The weekend was designed for you and God to enjoy together in fellowship. A time when you drop your tools and remember God's riches to you in Jesus Christ. 
Maybe you're hankering for retirement then. Well, what about retirement? Is that mine, Adam? <laughs> if the answer is take life easy, eat, drink and be merry, the answer is no. A fool would say yes to that. But no, even your retirement belongs to God, so don't waste your retirement. See, take the encouragement of the faithful saints here at St Augustine's. So many of our retirees here in Inverell use their precious retirement time to serve the people of God. They are a blessing. So many. We thank God for you. Thank you for your faithfulness. And if my treasure then is his and my time is then God's, then so too are my thoughts. I've got to change my thinking. I'm a foolish Australian. I'm instead to seek God's kingdom first, not my kingdom. And if that's true, as I change my thinking, I'll be committed to thinking about God instead of me, me, me. I'll be prayerful. I'll be in his word. And I'll be committed to the gathering of God's people. And as I give my treasure and my time and my thoughts, what else do you think follows? What do you think I'm going to talk about? We're going to talk about a kingdom, the kingdom of God. That a kingdom that is the polar opposite of the system of the world. The world that we live in. We'll share a story that gives people life and hope and meaning and purpose. A story about a rich and generous God who gave so much that we might be blessed so much. A God who gives his one and only son. And so if that is true, if God is so generous like that, that he gives his one and only son, isn't it true that we must respond to God's giving with great care and great thoughtfulness? It's not something you easily set aside or dismiss, is it? If God has been so rich towards us, the only right response then is to be rich towards him. So heed the warnings. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. You are way more valuable to God than stuff. The Australian goal is the goal of this rich farmer to take life easy to eat, drink and be merry. But God says, no, you're a fool if you think that. So change your thinking. Stop accumulating stuff for yourself. Love God more than you love your stuff. Be rich towards God. Seek first his kingdom. Because God, in giving you his son, has given you every reason every reason in the world, every reason to seek first his kingdom. And then all these things will be given to you anyway. Amen.